You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. a very long history, beginning 2000 and 800 years ago, when the Greeks from Calcidica arrived first in Iski and later in Cuba, and finally in the first half of 17th century BC, to a small island of Megarita, to lay the foundation of the first settlement that extended Just one century later, a new part of the city, the yellow one, called Neapolis, was established on a rough plain that slopes from north to south in the direction of the sea. Today, this plain is incorporated in the earth of the center of Naples and delimited in the north by Bianforia, in the south by Corso Umberto. This is the city center. In the east by Via Carbonara and in the west by Via Santa Maria di Costantinopoli. The great polygonal walls that fortified the ancient city center were disposed approximately inside those roots and encompassed a settlement the extension of which overlaps with the one actually perceived as the historic center of the modern city. What really strikes our attention is the resistance of the Greek city plan compared to the modern one. Naples changed many times. It was born a colonial Greek city. This is a brief history, but really brief. And uh, was Roman, Norman, Swabian, Angevin, Aragonese, and Barbon, and finally Italian. A great urban rationalization took place during the Angevin era. Obsolete, voluminous, and lumbering structures were eliminated, while the ancient center was maintained essentially undamaged even if the aristocratic family chose the center to build their rich palaces. In this process, improved during the Barbon era until the deepest change of modern times. Nowadays, ancient and modern coexist side by side in Naples with a nonchalance that appears particular to not Neapolitans. The reuse of ancient buildings considered to be still functional is a widespread phenomenon in Italy. It is enough to recall that the Colosseum was, was used in medieval times as a fortress and the Pantheon was converted from temple to church, maintaining not only the structure, but the entire set of decoration. What? Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I have a tonsillitis, it's... Uh, oh. oh, thanks a lot. Sorry, screen's gone. Could you hear me? No. Okay. Oh, does it work? It's good? Sorry, (laughs) really. However, in Naples, the survival of the city map is still something quite extraordinary. The city planning blocks still makes the original Greek. Sorry, we have a problem with this. Okay. 
uh, still makes the regional Greek organization visible. Also, the Romans, who had considered the urban organization as a political project, kept the Greek rule while suited to the rough terrain intact. The reason for such resilience is interpreted by some authors as a proof of extreme efficiency of an hippodamic plan. A great number of buildings were demolished, but what was considered as functional was simply absorbed into the new buildings. Step by step, the Greek Naples disappeared, except for a few shreds of walls that are still visible. And the only trace of ancient splendor was the Greek plan with its long city blocks, 35 meters wide and 185 long, cut by three main plateae, you can see. Uh, three main plateae. <laughs> and uh, the that you can see in vertical. Uh, still today, those three streets are called by Neapolitan's people as decimals, higher, medium, and lower, as memory of the Greek road partitioning that was ratified in Roman times. Actually, the lower document coincides with the famous Spaccanapoli, literally, Greek Naples Street. That is this one, you can see, Greek Naples. But exactly the presence of those three sections element in the center of the city is the reason why it is really difficult for archaeologists to investigate it. As stated by one of the most eminent Italian archaeologists, two sad events, the cholera, the cholera epidemic in 1882 and the earthquake in 1980, were the foundation of archaeological research in Vincent Neapolis. In the first case, the plague was followed by a series of interventions on a city map called the Risanamento that permitted to identify a series of ancient buildings, in particular in the Agro area. Unfortunately, a great part of these buildings were destroyed or damaged. On the second hand, the 1980 earthquake permitted, during intervention for security with historical center, the evaluation with modern archaeological techniques. But at the present times, our archaeological knowledge of the city is made from a series of interventions without physical or, chronolog or chronological continuity. And therefore, it is a sequence of data put in relation in a paratactical order. That said, the relationship between Naples, its citizens, and its past could be considered an indicum. <coughs> One of the most emblematic traits of this relationship is the Anticaglia theater. This, along with the Odeon, modified the subsequent road development, creating bold lines in the connected city blocks, in particular in the neighboring area of the Anticalia. This structure was always identified as the near theater, as reported by written sources, but on the basis of meso-restratigraphy, there is evidence of a prior phase from Augustan age and another one from Flavian age. It was literally swallowed up by later buildings. And it is actually hard to access because the remains are separated by the different housing units created in time. At the center point, some elements for strengthening the facade were built and actually uh, are recognizable in two arches that stand above the Anticaglia, that are part of the chaotic life of the city. This fact, if in on one side strengthens is present in the collective unconscious, on the other, through its particular form of privatization, reinforce um, the belief 
that uh, this is a private structure where it is normal to hang laundry or make all the changes that one requires to be necessary. You can see the laundry here, and uh, all the works in progress here. There's something private <laughs> The cave is preserved extraordinarily well and is located inside the surrounding buildings. Windows in the arch. And this is the cave. This is uh, the official photo. This is the real estate. <laughs> it's located inside the surrounding buildings. The entrance could be in Via San Paolo or in Via Ticale. And the monument is located inside the private court, making it, in fact, extraordinary out of reach. In reality, this is a manifesto of a relationship of deep interpenetration of ancient in Nepal schools. The cave steps were maintained for their usefulness, but what remains of the walls function as foundation for a series of historical buildings <coughs> where life goes on, indifferent to the historical relevance of some walls. But this nonchalance must be not confused for this affection. Rather, monuments considered as private are in truth maintained by people, even if they use them. Actually, is under evaluation a reassessment of the area in order to restore fruition for the entire community. A recent project proposed to reconstruct the original volumes with non permanent and low impact structures to restore seats and expand the capacity, consequently, allowing the restoration of the good for the staging of performances, performances of various nature. Another iconic place to understand the ancient modern relationship is certainly the Church of San Paolo Maggiore that absorbs in the facade two beautiful Corinthian columns. The city plan, based on terraces, places a larger terrace here that stands on the Roman Forum. The memory of the ancient Forum persists so much in time. Its medieval name was Forum Vetus. But the facade of the ancient Temple of Dioscuri physically remains for more time. This is now, it's under restoration. Those are the columns. And those are our documents. <coughs> it is well documented, almost intact, in the Chronicle of Parthenope, dated to 1526, which it stands out above the city walls with a larger scale than in the reality. <coughs> Precisely with the intent to highlight one of the most recognizable monuments in the city. In reality, this continuity was due to the fact that in the 16th century there was a great restoration and an enlargement of the building, but the facade was kept, was kept intact. Maintaining the uh, facade essentially unchanged. Such care was, not, was yet suspended after the earthquakes of 1686 and 1688, when the entire building was heavily damaged. What is really peculiar is the fact that the ruins were maintained in situ until 1711, when Carletti documented them. The available documents stated that there were four columns still standing, but the new project for the expansion of the church that was not compatible with the plan of the temple removed two of them, while another two are still visible in the existing facility. First sight, they are perfectly mimetic with the surrounding Baroque architecture, 
and make clear their status of, of spolia only at more accurate examination. <coughs> this is Santa Chiara Monastery, another important piece of archaeology in Naples, that was discovered in conjunction with the restoration after the 1908 earthquake. This is a Greek thermal complex that uh, is near the cloister of Santa Chiara Convent, uh, outside the ancient city walls. The medieval walls of the, of the cloister are directly placed on the strong Roman wall structures used as foundation. You can see the white one is Roman. This one is medieval, this is modern. A few centimeters. The Terra complex, dated from uh, 140 and 160, was well articulated and had all the spaces for public hygiene. Natazio, Tepidarium, Laconicum, with related furnaces, Suspessure. This is the archaeological area outside the monastery. You can see uh, the coverage that is similar to a velarium and is uh, really light on structures. Mm. <laughs> yeah. The relationship between Neapolitans and Vespolia, or architectural fragments in general, is something unique. They are conceived as part of a urban structure and are so familiar to be sometimes invisible. They are not regarded as archaeological finds, but are considered as part of the city or part of private buildings, as in the case of a theater. One of the many cases of Roman spoil that are under the eyes of a pedestrian that is treated with this kind of familiarity is a series of architectonic fragments from Roman corniche that are literally castled inside the bell tower of Santa Maria Maggiore la Pietra Santa of a medium necovale. <laughs> you can see what familiarity this is uh, the coffee tables. The same happens in Piazzetta Nilo, where uh, was recovered a statue, at first confused for the statue of a woman because of a pot belly and the cubits on his chest that appeared to be breastfed. For this reason, the statue was identified with the same city that nursed its its citizens and called them with the local name of Rome <coughs> of Naples, Catherine Following studies clarified the fact that it is a statue of an old man lying down, identified with the god Nilus. This is an, an, an integral part of the visual landscape of a city, but the Lago Catherine is one of the most chaotic places, and the statue, located, located on a high pedestal in a little square that not, does not allow to a good view, at the first sight is ignored by the by pedestrian. This is official, this is reality. You can see 12 persons, nobody's looking at. But its presence is a sign of Naples. During the Second World War, when the city was hit by bombs, three of the cubits and the other feet of the suits were stolen. The last one was found in, in 2013 in Austria, and the statue that seemed neglected by the city was the object of a great and sincere celebration. You can see 
the gate was restored with private crowdfunding and given back to the city life. Naples does not only have monuments on display, a great part of these, even if partially documented, were kept hidden since a third impact, impact event for archaeology, the creation of a new metro line. <coughs> First one and second one. Considering the amount of archaeological evidence, the first metro line avoided the city centre, passing through its northern side. side. The same method for the second line that avoided passing Inframenia and was conceived to run through the southern side, but this too was an area of strong archaeological risk. The result was a severe delay in the creation of infrastructure due in a very limited part of the archaeology and the identification of a series of archaeological discoveries without parallel that changed the project of the metro along the way. Regarding the excavation of the new subway, you can see the Piazza Nicolamore Station, the Temple of East Olympic Games, a wonderful, a wonderful structure that nobody has seen because it's still under construction and Piazza, Piazza Municipio Station. In this case, archaeological excavation posed great technical problems. In fact, archaeologists had to work at 13 meters under the sea level. We told the complications related to the groundwater, the morphology of the soil, the depth of the site. But this difficult excavation led to the discovery of a Roman arbor dated to first second to 1st and 2nd century AD. In, in particular, three Roman shipwrecks were found, still in exceptional <coughs> condition for Mediterranean climate, climate because of the humidity condition. <coughs> but in this case, archaeology was perceived by the community as absolutely alien because of the technical difficulties that involved the rest specialists in this field, gave the priority to the intervention of professionals keeping the citizens at a distance, physically and emotionally. Those are the directions. We are still waiting to see all of them. Those are publications, but uh, this is not included in, in the metro station as in, in the project. Ah. A last consideration interests interests the northern part of Naples, the Posillipo promontory. It is characterized by a great proximity with the sea and an exceptional, exceptional landscape and panoramic situation. This area has always had a residential vocation, but it was also linked to productive maritime and fishing activities. Because of the phenomenon of volcanic origin called the Brexism, a great part of the Roman structures are now under the sea level. Those structures were archaeologically investigated, especially in recent years, but they have always been known by people, by people. Their relationship with the submerged ruins almost exceeded the concept of familiarity. People used them for a place to collect seafood, and the ancient tanks for fish farming are used as places for setting octopus traps. 
you can see this octopus trap. And this is where it's located. And then and thanks for filming. The further part of the promontory, in the further part of the promontory stands the villa of the controversial figure of ancient Rome, Velio Polione, who moved here to fire fly. Upon his death, his magnificent villa, it's uh, all a, uni a unique villa, uh, became property of Augustus and was connected to Pozzuoli with a monumental tunnel called, carved into the rock called Seiano's Cave. Actually, this magnificent complex is part of an environmental and archaeological part of Bautilico. One of the buildings related to the villa, that is probably part of an infamous fabric, uh, still maintains, uh, sorry, archaeological part, oh. this one, and uh, still maintains two order of arches, is known by Neapolitan language as Ghost Palace, Casa degli Spiriti. This building is one of the favorite places for young people to dive in marches into the sea under a people's gaze is considered a trial of strength. This is the Casa degli Spiriti, and this is uh, the use. <laughs> in summary, the relationship between Naples and the Neapolitans and the very rich archaeological heritage that is testimony of the city's long history could appear to be at first sight one of the negligence of years. But actually, this heritage, even if not exhibited and treated with a sort of messy nonchalance, is very, very loved. And this love is embodied in the, its use. The Neapolitan, the Neapolitan has no fear to monuments. He feels monuments as a part of, it, of his history, and as such, he can see, touch, and also use them. This feeling of belonging could be translated into confidence that cannot be understood outside of the glow of this unique city. This is just a video. You can see the use of the monument. <laughs> okay, let's stop. show is produced by Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.